Hey team, welcome back and welcome to episode 43 of Transition Talk, where we talk about dental transitions and how to navigate the sometimes messy path to practice ownership. So in this episode of Transition Talk, we're going to cover some of the money aspects of the partnership agreement. In 41, we covered partnership when it came to getting in and getting out. And today we're going to talk about the money. There can be lots of opportunity, but there can also be ways to mitigate the risk, increase in production, collections, the profitability of an office, all pros of partnership. Partnerships can also be paid and also be costly. A solid partnership agreement is super important for so many reasons. And one of those is to ensure you and your partner are both protected financially. So partner, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Our partnership is great. So fantastic. Fantastic. It's a great year to become a partner, by the way. Yes. <laughs> hey, buy in and let's make the business slow down a let's, little bit right when you get in the talk door. Talk about those risks. <laughs> now, how are your kiddos? Yes. Bella's, this was her senior year. Yes. It's so it's so sad for Bella. So Cole came home from OU, moved him out a few weeks ago, and so then he's back at home. So he's awake from like 4 p.m. to like 4 a.m. these days. I don't really know. Nocturnal. Yeah, but yeah, Bella, senior year, it's been sad. So they've been doing their Zoom meetings every day. They were supposed to graduate, of course, and so we have a July 25th date I'm so on glad hold. They're actually doing it though. Yeah, this is kind of a virtual graduation. Which yeah, we've got kind of a. Uh, I heard the principal yesterday. He did a Zoom call. So I think the plan is it's a small little private school of around 80. So I think the mm-hmm. plan right now. Will way into the future would be potentially to, to rotate a 20 group through. So all the family would kind of roll through and you get your social distancing at the church that we would do that normally would hold around mm-hmm. 1,200. So I think that's the plan, you know, right now. But the good news yesterday was that basically they're going to finish school early. Mm-hmm. So they've been Yay. finishing on May the 14th, so that's good. And then no finals. Oh. No final Man. exams. So oh, they're basic. Lining. They're just basically taking the nine week period and then combining it. And heck, she's already good kind of melded the, in. Yeah, good for those that totally. have, uh, did some front end work. Yeah, you know, there's the part of it that you say no finals and you're done. I guess that's kind of exciting. Yeah. Um, but uh, what about you, yeah. teacher mom? How's that working out yeah, for my you? My school is not ending early, <laughs> but administrator of the Ratcliffe Academy has now implemented four day weeks. Oh, so, is that right? Yep, did, we, y'all, did y'all vote on that, or you just came up with this on your own? Yep, we did. It's a dictatorship at Ratcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> and so we do not have school on Fridays. Man, teaching is hard. Amen to all those teachers out there. I am not a teacher, and I'm really hoping yeah. I'm not totally screwing up my kid. My oldest is dyslexic, and so that is super, super challenging. And my youngest wants to learn all day, and I'm like, I don't know how many more activities we can talk about the letter Y. <laughs> There's not even that many words that start with the letter Y. So it's been a lot um, but, you know, silver lining, spending extra time with them. Well, yeah, fun. that's great. So fun. <laughs> what time do you finish your school day? So our school day starts around 8.15. Okay. Really kicks in around 10. Okay. And then the goal is that we're done by 12 because I have work calls <laughs> starting at 1, and those typically go back to back. And then every now and then there's a work call in the middle while Lila's on her school call and Bryn's asking me to play the letter G video. And those are challenging. So if you're doing a call with Christy here in the next few weeks and you see alcohol in the background at 2 o'clock, you know why. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Again, when life goes back to normal, there will be a lot of things that a lot of us will not complain about anymore. <laughs> I will tell you that. No doubt. Well, let's get going on today's topic. So we're going to talk about partnerships and financials and splitting money. There's a lot of ways to split money out there. Right. And what I think is important to know is what we're going to talk about today is our opinion. And we think it works, and we've seen it work, and we've seen examples of it working. But part of the reason why it works is because it's flexible. And it allows a partnership to say, here's what the box is, and do we fit in the box, or do we need to kind of blur the lines and maybe step outside the box in some way or the other? When we talk about partnership, right, and when we talk about how you buy in and how much you buy in, it is rarely based on control. It is often based on how much are you contributing to this partnership, and then how should you be compensated so that you are getting a fair amount of what you're contributing and your ownership and creating some incentive for there to be others sure. that buy in and you to buy in more or kind of sell out less. I talked to a guy yesterday who said, hey, you know, we've been talking to people to help us build a partnership. And, you know, we've talked to a couple of people, but really they've said, here's our way. And if you like it, great. And if you don't, I'm not going to help you. Right. Started listening to the podcast and I really like the way you guys try to customize it. And so that's just kind of how we work in general. And so absolutely how we work in partnerships. So I want your graded examples. So I'm going to have you give some examples. I'm going to give us a big picture. If you come to work with NDP for a partnership, unless you give us guidance otherwise, how we will generally structure a partnership in two ways. First, we're going to ask you how much you are doing of production. We're going to ask of the doctors who are going to own, how much is doctor production being done? How much are non-doctors doing? And you are going to buy in based on how much you produce, not how much control you want. If you are only doing 20% of the work, we will likely never say you should buy in 50% right? unless you're building to 50% and you're mm -hmm. buying in early on. We will also proceed with caution if we ever hear of anyone that says, hey, I want to sell 49% because right. I want to keep 51. Why do you want to keep 51, right? So in our partnerships, regardless of how much you own, you have an equal say in kind of partnership issues and questions and day-to-day -day business. So how much you own is only based on your production, and that's really, really important to our model. We compare it to marriage. If you've listened to any episode, you know that we love a good dating analogy. But, you know, you don't go into a marriage and say, well, I'm going to be 51% in control of this, right. and I get final say on the groceries. That's just not how it works. Unless it's a dictatorship yeah. about school, then of Correct. course. <laughs> Unless you're Radcliffe Academy. So when we talk about compensation, it also works in a very similar fashion. When we talk about how you're splitting monies, meaning profits and expenses, it's very much there's a percentage that's quote, quote, eat what you kill, right? What am I contributing to this partnership? And therefore, I'm going to get a piece of my compensation that's based on that. And then there's this other pool or other part of your compensation that's based on ownership. In a general practice, usually the hygiene and a little bit of extra doctor makes up that. And so we'll talk about that here. But if you come to NDP and you want to set up a partnership, we're going to look at it like that. And it's going to be a portion of eating what you kill, production-based compensation, and then a portion of ownership. And all good things happen with examples and yep. numbers in our world. So why don't you walk us through a couple of examples? Okay. So when you think about a two-doctor general practice, let's say that this thing is busy and is successful, so we're going to make the number simple at $2 million. And then in this example, there are three income centers, uh, Dr. One, Dr. Two, and in hygiene. There could be a Dr. Three that could be maybe coming in and doing implants or maybe an endodontist that's coming in that's a la carte. But for this example, I really just want us to focus on the actual owners. So owner one, owner two, and they're doing exactly the same. 
mm-hmm. $750,000 of doctor collections. And out of Dr. One and Dr. Two's doing seven fifty, the remaining is five hundred in hygiene. And so it is perfect. It's a two million dollar practice and it has a fifty-five percent overhead. Therefore, there is this perfect amount of nine hundred thousand dollars is left over to be split by the partners. So the model is that you would take the seven fifty doctor and you would typically pay the doctor somewhere between thirty and thirty-five percent on their actual doctor. And then for this example, we're going to pay them 33% because the math is nice and perfect. And I like perfect little numbers. So exactly. 30, 33% of the 750 means that I would get my salary of 250 And then, Christy, you would get your salary of 250 And so we basically have paid ourselves 500 of the 900 Therefore, there's 400000 left in the profit pool. Mm-hmm. We split that. And, you know, makes perfect sense that we'd both make our 450 because we did the same amount of work. And so that's the model. That's where we're using the same lab, the same supplies. Maybe the perfect scenario is our assistants rotate through as well. Yep. Okay. Everything's that we own the building equally. It is just perfect. We work for four days a week. We check the same number of hygiene patients. It is exactly the same. Now, scenario two is... I'll be the young guy and you will be the outproducing female partner of mine. So you are doing a million dollars of doctor and I'm doing 500. And now the model is how much do we get paid? So we go back to that 33%. So how much do you get paid? You get paid 333. Next thing is I take my 500 and what do I get paid? I get paid this 165, 166. So in that same scenario, we take the million five and we have paid ourselves $500,000. You're getting more because you did more. I'm getting less because I did less. Put the rest in a profit pool, split that 50-50, and now you're going to be compensated for your work, basically 533, and I'm 365, and that makes sense because you did more. And on a long-term basis, that might create a problem. Will create. It, a it will create a problem, and it's because you're going to want more of that profit pool because yep. you're doing more of the work, and so. That's one of the things that we want to see prior to the partnership is I want to be able to see that I'm able to do, in this example, this 750 or 800 collections that's going to be closer and equal to you. Or sometimes if you're the senior guy and if they're not willing to transition some of the patients over to me, the young person, that you're typically kind of holding on to it. And so that's going to make it more, you know, for me, I want to do the work. So perhaps in that example, we only sell maybe a third to me until I can prove that I can do basically 50% of the work. So the big picture that we always want to look at from a model standpoint is you kind of own what you produce. We kind of look at what you're doing from a historical standpoint and then layer this thing together. And then we start asking questions that we'll go into a little bit later of the things that can make it more complicated. So We'll end on that note now, and then let's talk about some specialties, mm-hmm. and why don't then we come back to some of those nuances that we can create more of a customized uh, partnership. Yeah, and just kind of a note on that, like let's say you are in the inequality of a senior or more established kind of partner who is doing more. We will look and see what you're doing now. How long have you been there? Where are you pacing up to, right? So if you're only doing 40%, but you've been slowly building over time, we probably could say you can buy 50% pretty fairly, right? Because you're going to get there, and we don't want you to buy 
40% and the next month kind of now you're 45, right? So we want to make sure we're letting you buy up a smidge because that's where you're going to go. But we don't want it to be where we have a client who we're working with who is going to be entering a partnership. I think he's only doing like 20%. The other Mm -hmm. guy's doing 80% of the doctor production. But the senior doctor's like not willing to give him any more patients, right? They're not willing to share. So he's been pretty stagnant at this 20% and they were talking about 50%. Well, that just doesn't make sense. Financially, like that just does not work. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not making enough money. And so that's really important to kind of know where you've been and what your goals are. And again, the story that goes behind the numbers that we're seeing on the paper. So the point of that, right, and the, and the general, that typically will work pretty well for a general practice. Mm-hmm. But what about practices that don't have hygiene, particularly let's talk about ortho and oral surgery. So the hygiene pool is that generally that profit pool that we're talking about with a little bit extra. But what if we have an ortho or oral surgery practice where it is all doctor? Right. So typically on those, like this case model, OMS practices that don't have hygiene or my orthos, we'll just put a profit pool. That's worked really well for us. So we'll do some type of profit pool of maybe 20% of the overall practice. So that way we both run that same $2 million practice. We'll typically do some type of per diem. So that's fair that I'm going to go into the practice. I'm going to put starts on and do D bands, or I'm going to do certain procedures and, and, and surgery. I'm going to go into that office and do that. And then I'm just going to carve out a profit pool. And then, so that way there's a model set up because it's not hygiene anymore. Mm-hmm. So in ortho, we may pay each other like $300,000 as a base. We both work the exact same amount and we're 50, 50. It's going to be super simple to split. If it's a situation where I am only working 100 days and you're working 200 days, and you need to be compensated more for that. And then we've got to be able to have that profit pool set up. And I may want to actually have a scenario where if I'm only a 25% owner because I'm in a high demand orthodontic practice where I just simply and selfishly, Christy, I don't want to sell you the 50%. I don't want to sell my cash flow. But I build that out with you and I explain that, look, I'm going to work this. You're going to work this. I'm going to allow you to buy into this profit pool. And over the next couple of years, you'll be a 25% owner. Then we'll graduate you up to a 50% owner. So you get to play with those types of practices from those specialty standpoints. And so you'll do that. And even in the endodontic practices, we'll do that as well. Yeah. And I think it's helpful to also, it works well when you're doing some kind of staggered sale where maybe a senior doctor is kind of cycling down where the younger one's cycling up. So that daily kind of per diem you can pay yourself based on the number of days you're probably contributing, assuming there's, you know, you're contributing on the days you're there, that kind of can help also even out some of that salary as you kind of buy in or buy someone out over time. Yeah. So that senior doctor in that ortho example, basically he wants the best of both worlds. He wants to work less Mm -hmm. and he wants to pull as much profit out of the business as he can. Mm -hmm. So we may have senior doctor only work a hundred days, but it's only fair that he gets a salary of fifteen hundred a day for let's say one hundred fifty thousand. You're the driver, and you're working you know two hundred days that year, so you get paid maybe the three hundred thousand. But we've got this giant profit pool, so that's all the money that's left over. But I'm only going to let you buy it at twenty five percent, and it's very common because again, it kind of goes to supply demand. If you don't buy into this, and somebody else, somebody, somebody else, will. else will. Yep. Yeah. Another one we talk about often is also a little challenging from like a buy in buy out perspective is the oral surgeon. There is no hygiene. Each doctor typically will kind of has their own level of production of what they can do. Sometimes we'll see partnerships where they'll build up their own kind of referral base by doctor. And so kind of creating that profit pool kind of helps 
even out, I think the playing field helps incentivize a associate to want to buy in right. because there is that profit pool across the practice versus just, I'm going to buy into my patient stream that I've, or referral base that I've kind of built from a production standpoint. Yeah. So, you know, I've got a $2 million surgery practice and you've got a $2 million surgery practice. So collectively as partners, we got, we're up to four. You want to make it to where if I start to slow down and you start to do more, that there is an incentive that I get to basically sell my part of the practice over to you. If not, I basically just kind of lose the value of my business. I've got to be able to create that value and either A, sell it to you or sell it to somebody else. Yeah, and I think it just helps in general in a transition if that's how your partnerships are set up. It's easier to have an associate start, bring them on board, transition patients over, incentivize them to buy I just think it helps from a transition standpoint in general. Yep. Okay. Again, if there's no hygiene or if it's all doctor production based, then we'll kind of create that profit pool. In either scenario, there are unique circumstances which fall outside of our perfect examples, right? Maybe your procedures are different. So we've helped two people become partners and they had a very different procedure base. One was more established and one was younger, but the younger one was bringing in new procedures. The other one had fine-tuned some procedures and kind of unique that the younger partner didn't have those yet. And so what they did is they actually paid themselves. So in our normal model, whatever you eat, what you kill, your production compensation is going to be based on a certain percentage. Let's call it 33%. And both partners get 33%. What they did is they actually said, okay, that's fine. For most dentistry, we're going to get 33% of whatever we produce. But when I do this, I'm going to get 35 And then the younger one was bringing in Invisalign. And so she was like, well, when I do this... I'm going to be responsible for my cost, and so I'm going to get 45%, whatever it was, right, of those costs. And so they actually had probably two or three procedures apiece, which they wanted to be paid differently on. Again, it makes it more complex. Right. It makes it harder to track. It makes it where you have to have your stuff together. But that's what they wanted to do because as partners, they felt as though that could create tension if one of them felt like they weren't getting compensated fairly for what they were doing. And so procedures and understanding what each of you are doing, you're both doing a general mix of the same thing, fantastic. But if one of you, we see this a lot in implants, one is super implant heavy and one isn't, right? Well, then those are costly, but they're also more profitable. And so kind of how are we going to counterbalance that? You're smiling. What yeah, I, I know exactly that couple that you're thinking about. And so this couple had came up with their own model of, okay, 45% of the Invisalign cases and 23% of this and 49% and on their own. Yep. And they basically came to us and said, I want this in the legal room. It's what we already talked about. And again, they're the client. Mm -hmm. I can tell the attorney what to do. Mm -hmm. I'm just not going to be dealing with the mess post, you know? (laughs) And so we gave them obviously some feedback there, but if anything, we punted those suckers straight to Kane Waters and said, look, let Kane Waters handle that split methodology for you because that's where the accounting department at Kane Waters, a lot of times we go down this partnership road and there is some complexity because we know this is not a perfect world. We know that even in our two examples that we just used for ortho and for surgery, that you could be using a Nobel implant that may be at $350 or $400, and I could be using a different implant system that is $120, mm-hmm. okay? could be the on the orthodontic side, I'm the younger guy, I really want to watch the cost, I, I'm okay with a $1.60 twin bracket, mm-hmm. but uh, you just want time. And you're okay with uh, $1,500, you know, aligner cases. You're okay with uh, $8, $9 self-ligating brackets, mm-hmm. okay? So we can just drive down and show you example after example 
And in the end, we've got to be able to look at what type of money we're really talking about here. Mm-hmm. Are we placing one implant here? Because let's not figure yeah. out how to rewrite the partnership agreement yeah. when you haven't even taken the implant course and you're focused on, well, what about the implant that you haven't placed yet? Okay. Yeah. Probably the biggest example that I can think about in a general practice is not just on the supply side, but also just on the employee side. So like mm-hmm. from, from an assistant standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I need to put my big picture hat on. If uh, I'm working with a buyer, working with a buyer, and they're going to buy in, and I've got an established doctor, and maybe he has two assistants at $25 an hour, okay. But that guy's just producing like, man, man. I mean, he's doing 1.3, 1.4 doctor production, and that's just driving revenue and keeping my overhead at, say, 50%. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm not going to be so bent on fighting over why do I got to pay half of the maybe $40,000 assistant at twenty grand. i am not going to maybe get in a fight over that. Yeah. So I may just leave that alone. Now, if senior doctor is doing the same amount of procedures I am and senior doctor has three assistants at $30 and I've got one assistant at 15 I've got some problems. Yeah. Okay. If that's the case for that, on top of which, you know, the he wants to use this lab mm-hmm. that Seen is, that he just likes his lab. Mm-hmm. And now we're $200 crowns or $300 crowns when I can get the same lab with a tarot scanner scanned in, sent to this five or six labs for 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. And now I can add up the number of crowns that we're doing. Now I'm looking at the assistance. Now I'm looking at some of our supply costs and I start to really add it up and there's literally $100,000 on the table because he doesn't want to change, guess what? We're going to need definitely a more sophisticated model of how to split the money. And so what we want to do in these partnerships, we love partnerships. We grow, we have a higher top line, and typically that's going to generate low fixed costs. We get efficiencies out of our direct costs. We make more money. So we like it. I know corporate likes it. But if it does come to a situation where there's going to be some complexity, complexity is okay. Just need a plan of how to do that. Yep. We've seen failed, complex split methodologies several times, right? And that's generally when your accountant or your bookkeeper doesn't understand what you're trying to do. They don't understand your model. Someone has put together some Excel sheet at some point in time that's super complicated that someone's using wrong. Um, We've seen splits for two years be wrong because one cell was off and something someone booked. So, you know, it's complex partnerships require complex, oftentimes complex splitting, right? Every now and then there's a large partnership that's super easy and it's just 50-50, but rarely, right? The more complex your partnership grows, multiple partners, multiple locations, just big collection production practices with multiple different specialties or procedures, it's just going to be complex. And so Mm -hmm. you have to have someone who understands and has the capacity to do those splits. And oftentimes that's when it's going to be passed off to, you know, we do our splits, we do them quarterly or monthly and our bookkeeper or someone who specializes in that does it and they understand what we do. That's why we at NDP love Cane Waters. I mean, they have a whole group dedicated and that's what they do. And they understand all these intricacies that we're talking about, about why labs might be different, why supplies might be different, when it makes sense, what profit pool makes sense based upon kind of what's going on. So that's why we love it. And again, the model that we NDP set up, we're often setting that up for a first time partnership, right? Mm -hmm. A first time someone's buying into a practice, they're creating a partnership. 
partnership and it is more simple and that makes sense. When we get bigger and we need more complex, we can set those up too, but then the maintenance of that is what has to continue on. Oftentimes two guys, two gals, guy and a gal, whatever, can handle the the basic simple split calculation each month. But the bigger, more complex, you guys are just going to be busy and not have the capacity to do that. And once you become more complex too, I mean, this goes back to how much do you own and what are you contributing? Once you become more complex, you're also splitting expenses, certain expenses by ownership, certain by production, certain by doctor production, even fixed costs, right? Most fixed costs are going to be split 50-50 in a basic partnership if you're 50-50 partners. But as you become more complex, now you're going to pay your fixed costs based on your ownership percentage, right? If I own 30%, I'm going to pay 30%. Well, if I own 30%, but I'm only doing 10%, now I'm paying a disproportionate share of expenses with my revenue. So again, more complex, it's going to grow. You just need someone who understands what you're doing and you need to understand what you're doing and what the impact is. And I love what you said about just big picture. I mean, like how many times have we had someone who wants to like go into depth and get into the weeds talking about five or $10 or five or $10,000 for that matter in some situations. What are we talking about, right? And is this going to help you as a partnership? What's going to make you as a practice better? Yeah not you individually. Sometimes it's the greater of the good of the whole and just kind of being reasonable. And both of you should be on that. I love the fact that you can get in the weeds because I can't. I mean, I'm not that guy. I have other skills, not many, but I have to go to the top and I'm like, you're in the weeds. Get out of the weeds. (laughs) Why are we talking about something that doesn't exist or a couple of thousand dollars? No, Focus. I know. We've Focus. Got to, sometimes you got to figure out the weeds, though, right? Yeah, I get it. But many times, if we're not going to end up buying something, we're not going to end up making a decision to acquire the practice or bring the yep. associate in because of this one or two percent here or there. I've, yeah. I've got to think beyond that. Well, and I that. think it also is a flag of partnership in general, right? A marriage. Mm-hmm. Back to we keep going back, but nothing's 50 50. Right. Even if you're 50 50 partners, there are going to be times where you're going to be giving more, your partner's going to be giving less, right. you're going to be spending more on whatever it might have been. I mean, again, if we're doing something, and we'll talk about this here, actually, we'll talk about it now equipment purchases, right? Yeah. We talk about this a lot. Someone wants to buy something that the other partner doesn't necessarily use. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's truly going to make your practice more profitable to have this new piece of equipment, like pay for it, right? right. It's going to add money to your pocket if you're splitting the money like we're talking about today. On the other hand, if your partner likes to have every new toy that comes on the market and right. isn't using any of them, and then maybe I understand why you don't want to invest in that because you're not going to yep. get a return on it. So I just think kind of keeping that in mind, you had a great example if you want to share it about if there's maybe a piece of equipment that's maybe not used 50-50. Like yeah. maybe I'm going to use it 10% of the time, but you're going to use it 90% of the time. Let's say the example in this case is a CAD cam. And so let's say I'll make you old woman, Christy, because I always oh, make you the young. I love it. Uh, yeah, you're you're old woman. You're mm-hmm. on the way out the door. You don't want to change. You're a couple of years out, and I want to lower my lab, have same day crowns. So I'm going to go invest, and for simplicity, it's $100,000 for this CAD CAM. And I take all the courses I invest. I'm like, hey, Christy, I want you to purchase half of because it's going to benefit the practice. And you're like, no. Yeah. I'm like, no. So, and I'm like, no, we're a partner, and that's what we're supposed to do. And so your partnership agreement talks about these major purchases, and you got to be on the same page. Now, me being the long-term person, because I'm younger in this example, I'm still going to purchase the CAD CAM. It's going to benefit me. Now we're going to need to most certainly break out our lab costs because you're choosing to have higher labs. Mm-hmm. So all of your lab costs will be associated as a cost you mm-hmm. know, to you. Now, one or two years down the road or one or two months down the road, you start to see how cool this tool is and you decide, you know what? I kind of like that. 
then I can set up basically a lease agreement where you can utilize my machine. Mm -hmm. And so we can look literally at the number of crowns that the machine had for the month. And if you used it 10% of the time, guess how much your charges? It's 10% of whatever it was. Mm -hmm. 10% of the blocks, 10% of the payment, interest, fill in the blank, Mm because that would make sense. And your S-Corp would basically just, you know, write me a check for that amount. Yeah. And that goes back again to the structure, right? How we typically do the three entity structure, or that's what we would recommend. And the assets live at the individual entity that allows you to kind of make those purchases, lease it if you need to. Again, just the flexibility that you might not know you need today, but that you eventually may need down the road. Right. I purchased that asset. I don't want to share that deduction with you, Mm -hmm. you know, just because you don't want it. I'm not going to give you the benefit now of us depreciating it together. No, I want that $100,000 thing. I want that asset in my name and I want to be able to write it off how I choose to for tax planning purposes. Yep, absolutely. All right. Anything else before we have like a few little miscellaneous kind of topics, but anything else on splitting money or expenses or anything else we didn't cover? I think we covered most of everything Uh, I wanted to cover. Yeah. Pretty exhaustive. And then clearly, again, there's always... We covered a lot. There's probably a lot that we didn't in one-off circumstances that you're going to have. But again, kind of big picture, thinking about it, keeping it, what is the ultimate goal here and kind of keeping that frame of reference and then figuring out how best to make a model, which is kind of what we're putting Mm -hmm. forth, work for your partnership. Because Charles and I are not going to be part of your partnership and we're not going to help you split money post-sale. So you have to understand this and it has to work for you guys. Yeah. But you know, I love about what we do is that we've done it for so long and deal with so many different examples that almost every example that someone says, well, what about this? What about this? I was like, well, this is how you handle it. Yep. You know, it's kind of fun because they, they're almost like trying to figure out, well, you haven't thought about this. I was like, no, we have. Yeah, we this, have. Because yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, and not we, as important as you think. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it's just we, we've always see these people trying to take advantage of this other person, and we've seen that. Mm-hmm. And so these agreements are there to basically protect both parties. Yeah, again, I noted in episode 41, if you haven't listened to episode 41, go back and talk about that. It's probably, I think... The most important piece of your partnership agreement, it's how you buy out or buy in the four D's, disagreement, death, disability, and departure. And so I think those are important. And we talk about that in episode 41. So if you haven't listened, go listen to that. Clearly can make a huge financial impact on you now, especially if you're buying into a partnership and you're going to be buying more down the road. What does that next purchase look like? Sometimes both buyer and seller don't think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not in their agreement. And then they get there and they're like, "Ooh, we didn't think about this and we're not on the same page. Right. And we didn't talk about it. Our thought process is off and it causes a lot of strife that impacts what could have been and probably is a good partnership. Yeah. Many times we'll see maybe a two doctor practice and they're maybe bringing a third person in. And we'll ask for their partnership agreement. And it's just like, well, we just kind of put something together like 10 years ago or 20 years ago. It doesn't have a lot of the detail that we're looking for. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Two people is different than three people. Three people is different than four people. Like as your partnership grows, you also probably need to look at it and assess, does this still make sense, right? We say, hey, all partners should be unanimous, kind of vote for certain things. When you get to four and five partners, that might be really hard. Like yeah. maybe then you shift to super majority where, you know, you have to have a certain number of people agree. Again, just important to keep coming back to this document. Even things like insurances, right? That's another thing we had on our list that financially can impact the practice. How much insurance you have, who has it, what mm-hmm. levels they have it. Mostly partnership agreements where they had to have a certain amount of life insurance and now the practice is three times the size. And so if something really happened, would that insurance cover it anymore? So again, just kind of 
continually looking at this agreement, making it part of maybe an annual meeting you have or every two years, I mean, annually would be great. I mean, I think that's what's amazing about the Keen Waters process is it kind of forces you to kind of assess where your partnership is or where right. your individual practices annually. Because again, if everything's going well, you're not looking at this agreement, right? Right. Everything's going fantastic until it's not. But, you know, looking at things and planning for when they're not, when things are good is probably the best situation to be in. Yeah. You're going to look at a legal agreement at death, disability, disagreement, and divorce. Should we add another f- a fifth one? Disaster. Dis- <laughs> You're tr- so true. <laughs> disaster. Dis- we, we, we are coming out of disaster, Christy. We, we are getting out of disaster mode here. But I, I just think financially, this partnership agreement, you know, if we're advising you on a buy-in and a partnership, you will hear me say, yeah, that purchase agreement, important. Your partnership agreement by far is where you're going to need. We need to spend the most time. You need to understand the most. That's why we charge more for those agreements. That's why they're more complex. So again, if you are looking to be in a partnership, create a partnership, sell a piece, you're not sure if you should sell a piece. Heck, if you just need a referral to an attorney who knows partnerships, right? right? You just need to be aware of all of these different variations and how your practice fits into kind of the quote, quote, mold. All right. Well, I think we covered it today. That's it. If you need help transitioning, remember our team is here. We are ready to help you. If you haven't listened, if this is your first episode, welcome. Go back and listen to the previous 42 episodes. <laughs> crazy town. Plus bonus tracks. Don't Plus forget about bonus, bonus. <laughs> and specials. And subscribe on podcast SoundCloud, Stitchers, and Spotify. As always, have a great week. Until next time, friends. See you guys.